This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, SiriusXM80, ESPN app, and all across the country and all of our great stations. And you could be a part of the Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Give us a call today at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And it is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve after a huge football weekend that, of course, saw Taylor Swift dominate the football weekend. <laughs> the biggest star of the football weekend. It's not Dan Lanning in Oregon beating Colorado. It kind of is Mike McDaniel putting up 70 points with the Miami no Dolphins doubt. and Tua. So it kind of is that. Yeah. But it's Taylor Swift. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, speaking of Mike McDaniels, doesn't he look like a Coke dealer from the 70s? <laughs> like, like, that's, like, seriously. Are we going to do the look like game? Because two seconds before we came on the air, what did Pat Costello, who's angry at everyone today, our producer, what did he say you look like? He said, I look like I lost a part of Waldo on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, though? Here's what I got to say to Pat. My wife loves this. So I know somebody that likes the sweater. That's really all that matters. That's awesome perspective to have. I'm not looking for Pat's approval today. I don't need Pat's <laughs> approval today. Pat should worry about his damn Eagles going down to Tampa and hoping that they don't lose because we already saw a massive upset in the NFC East yesterday. Uh, by the way, the stripes are pink. Waldo okay. could never. So you're on board with the two. I think it's, I think okay, it's great. Thank I think you, it looks Swallows. chic. I think you're, you look like you could go shopping. Accounta- you're my accountability partner, okay. so I appreciate you giving me that feedback. And to hell with Pat today. One question. Look, I'm just glad we guy. found you, Canty. Oh my God, <laughs> he's a he's a bad guy. He's a bad. He's a, he's a he's a great producer, but he's a bad guy. So here's the thing: I don't want to go too far away from what you said about the Dolphins head coach. But doesn't he know with the sun <laughs> with the sunglasses? It's the sunglasses that does it. It's the sunglasses. He's got the old comb over going on. I, I don't know. Looks he looks cool. really swarthy. I'm not saying he doesn't look yeah. cool. I'm just saying he looks like he would could have had the part of Ari in the show Snowfall. Like that. That's what he looks like. I'm not, I'm not off base here. I know it might not be appropriate because we're on a, a family program. But I'm just saying, that's what he reminds me of when I see that. I don't think offensive mastermind. I think somebody putting in a phone call late at night trying to come through with a package. That's what it looks like. I think you're giving him way more cool points than I would. Really? You don't think not Mike that, McDaniel's cool? Not that drugs are cool. No, I think he is cool. But I don't think he looks like one of those guys that would uh, be doing something illegal. I don't think he had. <laughs> Look at that face. I was like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't give me those vibes. He is so, you know, he's so good. He's so, he's so good. good at what he does. He is so, he's so good. good. I mean, they hung 70 points. 70. 70 points. 7 0. On the Denver Broncos. And that's Amazing. not and that's not even the lead for our show today. Uh, no. Well, <laughs> can I ask you guys a quick question? And this could be potentially on the uh, the unsportsmanlike nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. Could maybe throw this out there. My wife asked me a question yesterday. What's up? I have never I, in, in what twelve years of being married, eleven twelve years of being married. I don't think I've ever sent my wife a text message with an Adam Schefter tweet, right? Because <laughs> she's not a sports person. But I sent her the text message yesterday with the Adam Schefter tweet with. Um, with Taylor Swift, yeah. right, at the at the game for Travis Kelsey. And she said, who do you think is more famous, Tom Brady or Taylor Swift? Oh. And I said, Taylor Swift by a mile. Not yeah. even close. Okay, it's not close. Not even close. That's how famous Taylor Swift is. Taylor Swift is so famous that Travis Kelsey is a star in his own right. He's a multiple, He's won multiple Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And he hosted Saturday Night Live. And the entire headline about the Chiefs game yesterday was who was in his box to watch him play football. Yeah. 
It wasn't about anything having to do with what happened on the field. It was that Taylor Swift was sitting next to his mom cheering him on. That's how famous this woman is. Do you think he had the conversation with Pat Mahomes in the locker room before the game and said, hey, dog, of all the games, I need to get a touchdown today? Oh, you know he did. Of all the games, this is one of those, I need to have a touchdown, dog. Got Taylor Taylor Swift in the box with my mom. You need to get me the football early and often, big homie. You know that that conversation was had. They put up 41 points before the Bears even did anything in that game. Are we 100% certain that they're together? I know that she was at the game. I don't game. know that they're together. Evan, I think, you I, guys. I, I think, no, I don't think they're together I, yet. Because you, you, you got the video of them walking out with Jared of Payton, Arrowhead. Jared Payton, of all people, is the one who had it. Yeah, exactly. But they, but they, were, but they weren't holding hands. And he didn't have his arm around her. So it doesn't feel like they're a thing yet. I agree. I think it's on the way to being a thing. But I'm not going to sit here and doubt the, the powers. Of, is rolling I'm not going to doubt us. the powers of Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to doubt that. I mean, the man made a friendship bracelet just to try to – you know, make inroads to being able to talk to Taylor Uh-oh, Swift. So. Smells looks so You're not sitting in the box with someone's mother knowing that every camera in America is going to be pointed at you if this is not a thing. Okay, so no hand-holding, no arm around your girl after you get a big win Good at home. Good point. Good analysis. That seems strange. I think it's new. That seems strange. I think it's new, and maybe they are feeling that portion of things out. You don't make the effort to go to the game and wear the gear and sit next to the mom. Well, it's not like, it's not that's like she, not your man. she had a Chiefs That's jacket. His man. No, she had Her a Chiefs man. jacket on, but she didn't have a Travis Kelsey jersey on. Like that. Mm. Like to me, if that's Dun-dun. if that's my lady, no. she's got my jersey on. She got ninety nine. She's rapper. You would never wear a jersey. I don't I'll own it. You would never oh. wear your dude's jersey never. if he played in the league. Never. What if wow. I brought you okay. my high school football jersey? I still have it. Would you wear my high school football Prob- jersey? Probably. Evan, I don't want to have a terrible show. Why you got to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to do that? Is there any chance? Just throwing this out there. That this is a brilliant diversion by Taylor Swift. That she's dating someone else that she doesn't want us to know about and then goes to the Chiefs game. No, 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 shot, okay. no, sh- no shot that Travis would sign up to be the decoy. Not happening. Oh, I would. No, it's Taylor not Swift? No. Of not course happening. you would. You get to hang out with her for a day. I don't think Travis Kelsey needs to clout chase like that. I don't, I don't think what? he needs to. <laughs> Look what he's doing. He's putting it out there in the media that he wants to date her. Well, that's pursuing her. Yeah. Like, he wants to date her. I don't think he would be used as a decoy while she's dating somebody else. Well, whatever he's doing, it's working because she's in the box next to yeah. his mom. Is he not the poster boy for shooting your shot? Is, is every person in America today now looking at Travis Kelsey saying, you know what? Maybe I should just go for it. Maybe that, I should make a friendship race? CC. Or maybe I should just do something and I, let that nah. person know how I feel. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on a second. I agree with Smalls in this case. What's if up? you and I were both single— there would be an argument today that we'd look into the camera and we'd shoot our shot at someone in honor of Travis Kelsey. We are not going to do that because neither of us are single. But yeah. there is an argument. We're both married. One of us knows Correct. how long he's been married. The other one doesn't. What, one year versus 11? <laughs> <laughs> or 12. Who knows? We're on the way to 12. <laughs> but I'm just saying, isn't there an argument? Smalls is right. There's an argument that we could sit here and hypothetically, I'd look into the camera and I'd say, Emmanuel Shriki. I mean, again, hypothetically, <laughs> that you would say that, right? Yeah, that one right. Hypothetically, you would say, Who? Anyone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. T- I'm not touching that one. <laughs> My wife actually listens to the show, so, so I'm not. So, no I, so, so I'm not. I'm not going there. I'm, I'm gonna leave that one right there. I, okay. I see where you're going. I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm not gonna play the hypothetical game. Yeah. No, today right. she- hypothetically, the Dallas Cowboys could have been three and zero today. 
Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Well, I, I said they were going to hold them to single-digit points. <laughs> they did that in the first quarter, I yeah. think. <laughs> that was awful. That was absolutely so awful. I can't believe that they actually lost that game to Arizona. I guess for one second, because I think the majority of the conversation about this game today is going to be at the, about the Cowboys. So for one second, let's give the Arizona Car- Cardinals credit for so far so good in terms of their effort. Absolutely. In this in this season. Now, they're screwing up because they should be tanking. <laughs> and maybe they're going to have to bring Kyler Murray back because he's worse than Josh Dobbs in order to get where they want to get to. But let's at least give Arizona credit on this. Wait, think about what you just said. They you need know, to bring back Kyler Murray at this point because he's worse than Josh Dobbs? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to let that just go into the ether. Oh, right. I think relative to winning football games when you don't have a lot of talent around you, Josh Dobbs is not screwing up in the way that Kyler Murray has. That's honestly. Well, I, that's well, how I well feel. the best the best thing that Josh Dobbs did yesterday is not screw up like Dak Prescott did. Correct. Think exactly about right. think about what happened in the red zone late in that game in the second half. Like Dak Prescott throwing an interception. Those are plays that can't happen. But Evan coming into this season, this is why I said the Cowboys could potentially miss the playoffs. It's not that I didn't believe in their defense, although they got punched in the mouth yesterday by Arizona's run game. It was because I didn't know about the quarterback and the head coach. Well, I can sit here and say today. And Dak and McCarthy I trust. Because at the most inopportune time, those two are going to find a way to mess it up. Yesterday, Dak Prescott with the red zone turnover, and the offense was just atrocious in the red zone altogether. You're talking about an offense yesterday that was one of five in the red zone, including a turnover. That is absolutely awful. Now, this is coming off of a season when they were tops in red zone efficiency with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. So we wanted to give Mike McCarthy his flowers last week for this masterful game plan against the Jets. Maybe it was just playing against the Jets. Maybe it was just that. Because the Arizona Cardinals gave you four quarters of effort. They didn't flounder in the second half like they did in the first two games that they played this season. And the Cowboys couldn't find a way to make the requisite plays. But again, the Cowboys, penalties showed up. Turnover showed up, and that ultimately was their own doing. They had 16 penalties yesterday, mm-hmm. the second most in the Mike McCarthy era of Cowboys football. They have been the most penalized team in the National Football League since the start of 2021. So being able to have a disciplined team, overall game management, and the quarterback making mistakes seem to be themes as to why the Dallas Cowboys can't get to where they want to go. They keep getting in their own way. That's the theme of the Dallas Cowboys over the past few years. They keep getting in their own way. And I know Arizona has been shockingly impressive because we all expected them to be in tank mode. But there's no reason that the Dallas Cowboys should come in and lose this game. They had a, a, an opportunity to continue to roll, start 3-0, and and they laid a huge egg yesterday. Well, and they had an opportunity late. And you had two quarterbacks around the league yesterday basically where life lives up to art, so to speak, and I'm saying that facetiously, where everybody in their head, if you were to say, okay, who's going to be the quarterback with a chance to either win it or close out or potentially you know, close the gap on a lead late in the game, who's going to throw an interception in the end zone? Yep. Everybody would have said Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. And Dak, after the game, spoke about how people like us are probably going to be happy with this. Y'all put us on top of the world. Um, we knew we know who we are, um, and, and in that same sense, I'm sure the media got got what they wanted. Yeah, I don't know that this media member didn't. I've been rooting for the Dallas Cowboys um, in terms of of winning games here because I think they've been proven to be a very good team. Trevon Diggs not being there obviously hurt in terms of their defensive back, their cornerback who's unfortunately out for the season with an ACL. But the Cowboys had an opportunity late, and Dak Prescott threw the ball into triple coverage. And any way you look at that replay, and we've shown it a bunch of times on two and you here on the TV side, you can't figure out where he was going. Because from his vantage point, you see 
a, a one defender leaping in the air from the backside look of view of it. You see three guys surrounding a receiver. There's no explanation as to where he was going with the football. Yeah, and Tim Hasselbeck did a great job of breaking it down on SVP. He, he said he should have went to CeeDee Lamb on the yacht route or one of those guys. You can't go and force that football into the middle of the field where all of those defenders have inside leverage. But again, that's just one of many mistakes that the Cowboys made in the red zone. I mean, you had a golden opportunity, red zone, end of the third quarter inside your own five and you can't find a way to be able to punch it into the end zone those types of things can't happen good football teams are good in situations third down red zone end of half end of game and the Dallas Cowboys were not that yesterday and then on top of it what makes it worse is that their defense can't stop a nosebleed when a team decides to run right at them and run specifically at Micah Parsons I thought that was the masterful job that Jonathan Gannon did yesterday running straight at Micah Parsons no fair dodging using DJ Humphreys and Paris Campbell their first round draft pick those two offensive tackles that offensive line as a battering ram against that Cowboys defense and they weren't nearly as effective at putting the kind of pressure on Josh Dobbs as they were on the other two quarterbacks that they played this season to date. So CeCe you've been saying that Micah Parsons has a better chance of doing the unthinkable this year than most, which is a non-quarterback winning MVP. It's become the unthinkable, right? Yeah. It doesn't happen. You painted a picture in which you said 14-3, and 15-2. and two. You gave every caveat of how many things would need to happen in order for him to win the MVP. As drastic as this sounds, did he lose it yesterday? Because you said it needs to be perfection in order for a non-quarterback to win it. I, I don't know that he lost it yesterday. To me, the headline is the Dallas Cowboys offense, not their defense. Mm-hmm. But here's the issue. When your offense doesn't step up, the defense has got to be better, right? They, right. They've just got to be better. Now, here's the thing. They were shorthanded. We can't gloss over the fact that they don't have Trevon Diggs. There were some miscues on the back end, and that can lead to some big explosive plays, as it did yesterday for the Arizona Cardinals. But that's not the excuse. The Arizona Cardinals are one of the worst teams in the National Football League. you got to find a way to be able to get a win. What it looked like yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys were planning on just rolling their helmet out there and being able to find a win. But – I've been saying it all offseason long. What happens when the Dallas Cowboys defense can't generate takeaways? What happens when they can't get their offense extra possessions in short fields? We got our answer yesterday. The Dallas Cowboys have lost, what, 13 games over the last 40? And in 11 of those 13 losses, they didn't win the turnover battle. So there's a theme with this team under McCarthy. If that defense led by Dan Quinn and Michael Parsons doesn't generate takeaways – and create extra possessions for that offense, that offense struggles in a way that we're just not used to seeing. Taylor Swift, the Cowboys lose to the Cardinals, the Dolphins put up 70, and is it time to start questioning Sean Payton? We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. You can chime in on Twitter, or X, whatever it is, (laughs) and be part of the Dr. Pepper Nation out there at Unsports ESPN, where the question is who wore it better, Chris Canty or... Waldo from Where's Waldo is Chris is wearing a red or pink striped shirt, and uh, the compare and the contrast is up there. I didn't think you looked like Waldo until I saw it here on social media. You cut me, Shrek. You cut me deep. <laughs> I cut put me. it up there. You cut me. Well, I mean, you reposted it, though. You, you, you retweeted it. <laughs> so you so did you? That, that's things. So you didn't? Well, I mean, I just I, I feel like my pain is everyone else's <laughs> entertainment, and, and today that is the example of that. I don't mind being a butt of the joke today if that's in the best interest of the show, and clearly that's the direction that you want to take Monday's show. So me? have at it. So How have at it, Evan. Me? No, because I expect it from Pat. I don't expect it from you. I only and saw that's the part that's disappointing. You, I only saw it because you retweeted it. No, well, listen, Pat's a jerk. We all acknowledge that, but you, not you. <laughs> Not you. I didn't expect it from you. At least Smalls had my back. That's right. I didn't share. So, I mean, of all the co-hosts, I I, you know, Smalls had my back. <laughs> you, you, you threw me under the bus. You, <laughs> tr- you treated me like uh, Justin Fields did, Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey. That's what you did. They're all still employed. All uh, those guys. Right? They still have jobs. Brutal. <laughs> can, can, what is, Matt Eberflus's record with the Bears is like one in a hundred. It feels it's not like. great. It's not uh, great, Bob. <laughs> how do we even begin to attempt to put into words what the Miami Dolphins did yesterday? I will try by scoring seventy points here against the Denver Broncos in just the most ridiculous performance you've ever seen. They win 70-20, to 20, okay? And the Dolphins had 70 points, 10 touchdowns, 726 yards of offense. Um, they absolutely dominated in a way that we have literally never seen a team dominate to a point that Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Dolphins, and the graphic is up on the TV side. You can take a look at it with all these 70 points, 700-yard game, five passing TGs, five rushing TDs. Mike McDaniel had to defend himself in the postgame presser, and he went on this long thing about how I wasn't going to kick the field goal to make it 73 (laughs) to set an all-time record. I mean, this is mind-boggling. But, but they ran it up anyway, though. You but beat they didn't them by, mean to. You that's beat them the by 50. The crazy thing I is guess that's they the were point, trying though. to they, run out they, the clock. They didn't mean to. They were just running the football. And I was talking to Rex Ryan before we came on air. He's at the seaport uh, because he's going to do Get Up this morning. And we were just going over defensive philosophy. And every time I went into a game, my defensive coordinator – and our head coach said, defense, you got to take something away. Whether it's the pass game, whether it's the run game, you got to take something away. The Broncos didn't take anything away. Nothing. You let them throw for over 300 yards. You let them rush for over 300 yards. That is absolutely absurd, and it's perfect balance by the Miami Dolphins. Think about this. You had 376 yards passing. You had 350 yards rushing. You had five passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. That is absolutely laughable, Ev. 23 of the Dolphins' 71 snaps went for 10 yards or more. 23. A third of their plays, a third of the snaps they ran on offense went for 10 yards or more. A third of their snaps were explosive plays. That's that's insane. They had four plays of over 50 yards, two runs and two passes. At some point, you have to take something away. So, I mean, it's going to be an ugly meeting for that defensive group with Vance Joseph and Sean Payton today in Denver, and they deserve every single bit of it. 
But, I mean, this is an indictment on the entirety of that football team because the offense had to understand coming into a game against the Miami Dolphins, the most explosive offense in the league, you got to take advantage of your opportunities. And the one opportunity, the inflection point, I thought, in that game came in the second quarter when the Miami Dolphins got stopped in their own territory on their own 34-yard line. They got stopped on fourth and one. And the Denver Broncos on that uh, next drive proceed to go three and out and punt the football. They don't get any points out of that drive. That can't happen. If you're Russell Wilson, you got to understand we got to take advantage of these opportunities, these breaks in the game. And the fact that they didn't, it, it only exacerbated what we saw yesterday. Like, I, I understand that there's no world in which a defense giving up 70 is acceptable. But the offense also plays a part in making that game as one-sided as it was. Not nearly enough consistency over there. And now we're going to continue to start asking the question, well, continue to ask the question of whether or not Sean Payton has his quarterback in Russell Wilson. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this game, both on the Denver side and on the Miami side. But all of a, I said this on Friday, but all of a sudden, this weekend's matchup with Chicago and Denver, it's, uh, it's a the, the toilet bowl. Basically, but something's got to give between these two teams and these two quarterbacks where things aren't going good. But to the Dolphins side of things, as a girl from St. Louis, the best football team I've ever seen, the most explosive offense I've ever seen is the greatest show on turf. This Dolphins offense is doing things that I even I haven't seen in comparison to the greatest show on turf. The numbers that they're putting up are outrageous. First team in NFL history to score 70 points in games, gain 700 yards in a game. They have so many weapons. They can beat you so many different ways. They have the speed. Tua is surgical. He's so precise. He's been outstanding. The MVP favorite right now. And Mike McDaniel is just dialing up so many creative plays and so many different ways to beat you. I know it's only three weeks, and I know they weren't playing a good team. But I walked away from this game yesterday, and I emailed the the group saying, if the Dolphins don't get into at least a championship game, I will be shocked because they're playing that good and they're looking that dominant. To your point about Mike McDaniels dialing it up, four touchdown passes by two yesterday, only one crossed the line of scrimmage. There you go. Only one. That was was the one to Tyreek Hill. 16 in the first half. You know what I was thinking? I was trying to put this into perspective yesterday as to what Mike Mike McDaniel is like how do we have a coach in 2023 in the NFL that could be so innovative and do things so differently when all people do is study football nonstop we have more college coaches than ever coming up with wacky plays and I mean that complimentary and here's what I thought about I think Mike McDaniel is the living breathing evolution of of the Bill Walsh West Coast offense. If you think about it, Mike Shanahan, who's his mentor's father and Kyle Shanahan's dad, never directly worked for Bill Walsh, okay? But he did work for George Seifert, who obviously was a Bill Walsh guy. Mm-hmm. If you think about the Bill Walsh coaching tree, legendary coaches worked for Bill Walsh. The so West Coast offense, 49ers back in the day. And how has that evolved over the course of time? It's short, quick passing games, timing rounds, et cetera, et cetera. I think that what we are seeing with Mike McDaniel is the evolution, is the distant relative of the Bill Walsh West Coast offense. I don't know how else to put it, and maybe I'm not X's and O's 100% right on this, CC. although you're nodding your head, so maybe I think I am. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen anything like this. And you think about all these Mike Shanahan guys. Kyle Shanahan, obviously. Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. Their offenses are phenomenal, and they're all based on timing and quick passing and quick reads and everything, and it all stems back, if you think about the ancestry of it, to Bill Walsh. Oh, no doubt. I mean, they use the short passing game as an extension of the run game, and I think they're looking at completion percentage, creating catch-and-run opportunities. Probably the most impressive part of what the Dolphins did yesterday is the fact that they didn't have one of their most explosive players on the field. Yeah, they scored Jalen Waddle Waddle didn't play yesterday. So, I mean, think about when you add him back to the mix and how explosive this team is. Devon A-Chain, 
was off the chain. I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable what he did. And him and Raheem Mostert are the first teammates, the first running backs that had over 100 scrimmage yards and four to- total touchdowns apiece. It never happened before. They the don't need Jonathan Taylor. It never Taylor. happened. They don't need Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's phenomenal. Well, they don't need him. Well, here, here's the hot take for today. The Miami Dolphins, the most dominant unit in the National Football League. Offense, defense, special teams. That offense is the most dominant unit in the entire National Football League, including the Cowboys defense, including the 49ers defense, that is the most dominant unit in the NFL. And if Tua stays healthy, good luck trying to stop them. I mean, how, how could you not look at them today as the favorites in the AFC? I get Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. How could you not look at the Dolphins today as the favorites in that conference to go to the Super Bowl? Because of the sustained long-term success of the four people that head up that Chiefs organization, right? Reid, Mahomes, Sw- uh, Kelsey, and Swift. All right, coming up, upon further review, Canny's NFL observations next. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. He still reeks of chicken wings and mayonnaise after a long NFL Sunday. Hey, they do chicken wings. I love chicken wings. But man, does he have some thoughts. This is Upon Further Review with Chris Ganty. All right, CC, what do you got for us? Upon Further Review here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, I love this football music. I love it. I love it. It's good. All right, let's go. Let's kick it off with number five. Number five. Sam Howell and the Commanders ain't ready for primetime yet. They're not ready for primetime yet. Like, it's never a good thing when your quarterback is sacked nine times and throws four picks. I mean, the last time you saw a quarterback in D.C. get sacked that many times was 2011. And all of those quarterback hits, they weren't on the offensive line. Sam Howell can't hold the ball as long as he did. On all nine sacks, he held the ball for four seconds or longer. That's an eternity by NFL standards. That absolutely can't happen. And then, of course, when you give the ball to the other team, that's never a good thing. I mentioned the four picks. Antonio Gibson also had a fumble, so... I mean, listen, it wasn't great in D.C., and what made matters worse was that that defensive line, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young, no sacks on Josh Allen yesterday. No sacks. I mean, they ain't even pinch Josh Allen yesterday. That's re- <laughs> You're not going to win a lot of games if that defensive front can't pressure the opposing quarterback. So they pulled an absolute no-show. The entire team, plenty of blame to go around in the district, keeping it moving. 37-3, uh, Washington loses to Buffalo. I think it's a great sign for the Bills that we have nothing to say about Josh Allen other than the fact that he left the game early because they were blowing them out. That's a good thing. We don't want to talk about him. If you're really good, we shouldn't be talking about your quarterback that much. We did too much too early. Yeah, it feels like the Bills are starting to look like the Bills we expected them to be, but 
to your point, CC, it was like, welcome to reality, Sam Howell, an interception in each quarter. He joins Jameis Winston as the only quarterback to, since 2015 to have an interception in every single quarter. Not great, Bob. Not a great stat. Not great. Keeping it moving. Number four. I said this last week, and I'm going to repeat it for the people in the back. Are we sure that the Jags are going to win the AFC South? Are we? Are we? There was no shame in losing to Kansas City last week, but dropping a home game to the Texans who are starting a rookie quarterback is just unacceptable. They started slow. The first five drives for Jacksonville ended missed field goal, a punt, a blocked field goal, a punt, and a fumble. And on top of that, they let a fullback return a sky kickoff to the house for a touchdown. A fullback! A fullback who bobbled the kickoff. They let him take it back to the house. Like they, That was a team that fell flat, and there was no excuse for them to be flat and dropping that game. Like last week, Kansas City Chiefs, you can understand that they would be looking at that team as the bar, but the Texans aren't the bar. The Texans just fighting not to be in last in that division. But now we're sitting here looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we're saying to ourselves, why are they in last place through three weeks? Very disappointing. I picked Trevor Lawrence to win the MVP. You picked the Jaguars to make a run to the AFC Championship game. They have been as disappointing as any other team, and give C.J. Stroud credit. He's looked good so far. Everybody makes a big deal about the Ohio State quarterbacks. Can they play in the pros? So far, so good with C.J. Stroud. Yeah, he looks good so far, but I still thought that was the most shocking result yesterday, even more than Arizona beating Dallas because Arizona has shown shown a shocking amount of fight. I thought that that was unacceptable by the Jags yesterday. Next, number three. At the risk of sounding like the old man that says, get off my lawn, Analytics shouldn't be used to defend dumb coaching decisions. What am I talking about? Of course it's Brandon Staley who tried to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory yesterday with his team up four points from his own 24-yard line, fourth and one. He decides he wants to go for it rather than to punt and make the Vikings drive the length of the field. Now, they got a gift from the Vikes because they had a point-blank opportunity with less than two minutes to go, and Kirk Cousins throws a pick while trying to target T.J. Hawkinson. I thought it had more to do with Hawkinson dropping the ball than it does bad ball placement by Kirk Cousins, but that's neither here nor there. I thought Kenneth Murray bailed out his head coach by being able to get that turnover. But listen, guys, I don't care that analytics said that they had an 89% chance to win if they converted on that fourth and one versus an 82% chance to win if they punt. Analytics are great over a huge sample size, but a 17-game regular season is not a huge sample size. So you don't have enough opportunities for the law of averages to play out. Now, there are some times where analytics can be applied in the National Football League. Point in case would be what happened in the Packers game in the fourth quarter. They were down 17-3. to They scored a touchdown and decided to go for a two-point conversion because they tried to make it a one-possession game. But the great part is if they don't get the two-point conversion, they can then score another touchdown and go for two then and try to tie the game. But the coach, Matt LaFleur, took the opportunity to use the analytics to set up an opportunity to win. That's exactly what happened. Analytics in that situation makes sense. Not in the game against the Vikings, the Chargers. That made no sense. I I think that the one thing I would say about Brandon Staley is I give him credit for being himself. It's himself that I wouldn't want to be my head coach. <laughs> That's who he is. That if there's ever a guy who in that spot is going to go for it, it's that guy. That's exactly who he is. That's why I wouldn't want that guy as my head coach. I don't want you going for it in that spot. <laughs> the punting game matters. The I remember an AFC Championship game a few years ago, New England and Jacksonville. I think New England won that game because their punt team was awesome in that game. You're, there's all three phases for a reason. Use the third phase. Shout out to Keenan Allen, though. 18 catches, 215 yards, and threw a touchdown in that game. It, guys, unbelievable. Only, I think there's one player in NFL history with, with 15 catches or more in a game three times, and it's Keenan Allen. 
Yeah, that was an ugly game by both yeah. teams. It's not so much as the Chargers won, it's that the Vikings lost. They had it gift-wrapped and they dropped it. That's That was a rough game to watch. Yeah. All right, keep it moving. Number two. At the risk of sounding like Captain Obvious, Zach Wilson shouldn't be allowed to start another game for the Jets this season. He just shouldn't. Now, I know Rob Sala came out and said that's going to be his quarterback. He's the best option for us. But if that's your quarterback and he's making decisions like taking a sack for a safety after the team marched 13 plays on a touchdown drive on the previous possession to make it a one-score game, then it just got some big problems. And you saw frustration starting to boil over a little bit. Zach and Garrett Wilson going back and forth on the sidelines late in that game. Clear that frustration is starting to, to seep into this locker room, and they have to find someone else to play quarterback because you got to give this team, this talented roster, an opportunity, and clearly Zach doesn't do that. Well, if we're going to talk about offense, we got to move past the Jets' offense because there's an offense we need to talk about for number one. Oh, yeah, the Miami Dolphins' offense. It's the most dominant unit in all of football. I mean, that includes the Dallas Cowboys' defense. The fact that they could have set an NFL record and your boy Mike McDaniels decided, you know what, I'm not going to embarrass you any more than I already have, Sean Payton. We're just going to take a knee rather than kick a field goal. But they've scored the most points of any team since the NFL-AFL merger NFL, AFL merger. Right, I got to stop you for a second. What's throwing all of us off on our TV side, and we're going to get to this, <laughs> is the Jets fan whose teeth fell out during the game yesterday. It's the most distracting, amazing thing of all time. Yeah, but he, I, I could clearly understand why he's upset. I mean, they're getting their teeth kicked in, so why not be teethless with the with the rest of your team? Anyway, so like, yeah, like I said, the Miami Dolphins most dominant unit in the NFL on the offense, most dominant unit their offense in the NFL. It's unbelievable what two is doing. Clearly, the front runner for MVP, and clearly this is the team to beat in the AFC. Isn't it funny how many times we, and I say the royal we, collective we, tried to move on from Tua in yeah. Miami? I was just thinking, we, we always had the caveat, if he's healthy, he could be great. We're seeing that play out. But remember when Deshaun Watson was available and there were rumors that Miami was trying to pursue him? Remember all the conversations of, I don't know if you can really win with Tua. Is he a quarterback that could take you to a Super Bowl? Maybe they should draft somebody. Mm-hmm. Tua has clearly proved every single doubter wrong. He and Mike McDaniel are a match made in heaven. Yeah, I'm looking at their staff right now, and I usually pay attention to coaching staff stuff. I love that, like just knowing who's with what staff. But their offensive coordinator in Miami is a guy named Frank Smith. I'm not that familiar with him. I'm going to guess I'm going to be after the season because I'm going to guess now Mike McDaniel is so good that people are going to want anybody that's near him. That if, hey, can you make our offense look half as good as that? Can you give us 35 a game? Think about that. the Sean McVay effect? Seriously. I mean, Mike McDaniel put up, and the Dolphins put up 70 points. And I keep saying Mike McDaniel. Maybe I should be saying Tua. Maybe I should be saying the Dolphins' offense. But my mind immediately goes to the coach. Even though I'm so quarterback-focused, I think this is so much on the head coach right now, in a good way. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback threw four touchdowns yesterday, and only one of them crossed the line of scrimmage. Only Think about that. Only one of them crossed the line of scrimmage. If that ain't coaching, I don't know what the hell is. He had a backhanded, wrong-hand pitch. He's a lefty, and he pitched it right. He's looking in the wrong uh, no-look pitch for a touchdown. It's, we're showing it on the TV side. It's ridiculous. But that just shows you how scared defenses are of their team speed and Tyreek Hill in particular. Everybody's worried about the ghost in the end of the round, and nobody's focused on the running back, and I think that was Devon Chain. So, yeah, just, I mean, it's a, great, it's a great offense. They got the talent to match the scheme, and I think that's what makes them special. All right, one-word answer here, or one, one team name answer. If I said to you you can only watch one offense over and over again, Dolphins or Chiefs? Dolphins. Dolphins. That says all you need to know about how good their offense is, that you would put it above the Chiefs. Coming up, is it time for the Jets to call any of the available quarterbacks? We'll get to that next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, Sirius XM80, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country. As the Miami Dolphins are racking up 70 points, the Bills win 37-3. There were two other teams that played in the AFC East yesterday, a conference, of course, dominated by Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs for years. (laughs) Um, New England wins 15-10. And it was an ugly game. It was rainy in the New York area. And Zach Wilson goes 18 of 36, 157 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles. And everybody today is screaming and yelling that the Jets need to find a new quarterback. They were booing him at the game yesterday. They had fans that their teeth fell out during the course of the game yesterday. Did they fall out or did he take them out? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. It's an either or. I don't know. It's a little bit of both, I guess. As you said, the teeth got knocked in. (laughs) But I would like to actually defend Zach Wilson. And I know that that's going. I can't wait to hear this. Let me settle in. Here's what I'm going to defend him on. I believe Zach Wilson yesterday did exactly what his coaches asked him to do. And I believe that the coaches for the New York Jets and Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett, their offensive coordinator specifically, clearly, if you watch that game from start to finish, as I did, clearly told him, if you don't turn the ball over, we will win this football game. Your job is to do what, what everyone says the, co- the quarterback's job is to do. Make every job, every drive, excuse me, finish with a kick. A field goal, an extra point, or a punt. As long as every single drive finishes that way, we are going to win the game. I believe they drilled that into this kid's head all week long. He played petrified and the only time that he looked like a real quarterback was late in the game when they let him just go I think the coaches have actually destroyed him as much as he's destroyed himself when he's taking those sacks not the safety with Matthew Judon but when he's taking those sacks (laughs) during the course of the game I believe it was I am not going to turn the ball over they have told me to not turn the ball over no matter what he dove a couple of times I'm telling you that I think the coaches deserve as much blame is the player here, and I disagreed with you, CeCe, when you said Salah and company could be on the hot seat by the end of the year. I'm now on that bandwagon, because I think they have done a horrible job with Zach Wilson. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but I actually think he did the job that they asked him to do yesterday, which was one thing, don't turn the ball over. Well, yeah, and it's a flawed game plan, because for the second consecutive week, the opposing team's defense outplays the Jets' defense, and anytime that happens with Zach Wilson, their backup having to start games, 
they're going to lose. So, I mean, we'll focus on the quarterback because I think everybody recognizes there needs to be a change there. Anytime you average less than three yards of play on offense, you got to do something different, and that's the easiest thing to change. And to your point, the kid's confidence is shot. Shot. He's done. So, I mean, I don't think it's exactly a hot take that Zach Wilson has lost his confidence or that the Jets have done a terrible job with them because that's been obvious over the last three years. They haven't been able to develop quarterbacks. You can even go – it doesn't matter. You can pick the quarterback out of a hat, whether it's Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez, Zach Wilson, Sam Donald, just the latest in the long line of quarterback failures by the organization. The one thing that I will say, though – is that it's on Zach when it comes to that safety at the end of the game. There's no way you can let Matt Jadon, by virtue of getting that safety, putting points on the board, making it a touchdown game rather than a field goal game, and getting his offense the ball back. There's no way you can let that happen if you're Zach Wilson. You should know better by now. And the fact that you don't is a problem in and of itself, which is why the Jets have to move on from him. They got to find somebody. I don't care if they got to trade a first-round pick to Minnesota in order to get Kirk Cousins. They got to do something Different at quarterback. Otherwise, Rob Sala, Joe Douglas, they're going to have a mutiny on their hands. This thing is getting ugly, and you saw a little bit of that on the sideline yesterday. It has spiraled out of control. Somebody's got to take the wheel, and it's not going to be Zach Wills. Maybe Jesus could take the wheel with the Jets. I have no idea. But to both of you guys' points, he just looked overmatched yesterday. There was a little bit of a confidence burst at the end, but at times I would watch him, and you could see it in his face. It looked like he was just trying to tread water, and you almost feel badly for him because he wasn't supposed to be in this position. And clearly the coaching staff doesn't have confidence in him, which is why they're having him do as little as possible. But I just think we've arrived at this point with with the New York Jets where it's only going to get worse from here and they're going to have to make a move. Yet everything we're hearing out of the organization and out of Robert Sala is that they're sticking with Zach Wilson. I can't understand it. Well, they don't have another choice. They're not going to go with Tim Boyle. There's nobody else on the team. They were reporting yesterday that Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and their agents both reached out to the Jets and the Jets said we're good. But I'm but tell- they're not good. No, they're not good. But I don't know that those two guys would make them better no. necessarily. The reality is I think that the Jets coaches deserve more blame than they're getting right now. That everybody's putting it on Zach Wilson. And I think they've actually destroyed him. I think they've completely destroyed him. I think he's helped in his own demise. That's for sure. But I think that there were so many moments yesterday that obviously he could have done better but Smalls you said and I understand what you mean he wasn't supposed to be in this position yes because of Aaron Rodgers but the reality is he was the number two pick in the draft and he's in year three he's absolutely in the position that you draft him to be in right now which is the starting quarterback for your team but they had determined that he wasn't that guy correct yeah and now bringing him back you see Garrett Wilson on the sidelines you see Michael Carter who's a third string running back and by the way we floated out the concept maybe Minnesota let Dalvin Cook walk because there's nothing left Dalvin Cook has stunk so far for the Jets. Yeah, but back to the Zach Wilson thing, here's the problem with trying to defend Zach. He no longer gets the benefit of the doubt based on what he did last year, some of the things that he said after embarrassing performances that put the team in bad situations. Like when the team shows up wearing T-shirts with the back backup quarterback's likeness and image on it to a road game, that's never a good thing, and I think that's an indictment of and of itself. So when Zach goes out there and has these poor performances, all those bad feels from what they heard from Zach last year start to bubble up to the surface too. So those guys in the locker room ain't giving Zach the benefit of the doubt. He's in the building. He's in the quarterback room right there with Aaron Rodgers. They expect him to be a professional. They expect him to give him competent quarterback play, which he should be able to do in year three. And the fact that he can't is an indictment on the coaching staff, no doubt, but it's also an indictment on the player and his sports character. By the way, let's talk about those shirts, right? Because that was a big thing last year. Huge. 
there's no chance that would have happened under your former head coach, Tom Coughlin. There's no chance that happens under Mike Tomlin. There's no chance that happens under Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. That's an indictment on coaching, too. No, well, here's the thing. There's a lack of accountability within the organization Correct. based on the quarterback's poor play. When you don't hold the quarterback accountable, then all of a sudden guys start to take it in their, take matters into their own hand, and you see stuff like that. But it ain't the first time that we saw a locker room turn on a starting quarterback for the Jets. Remember I.K. and Nem Kapali when he broke Geno Smith's jaw? <laughs> you think they would have broke Geno Smith's jaw if everybody in that locker room had conviction that that was their franchise guy? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to conflate the issue. My point is this. When a locker room determines that this dude can't get us to where we want to go, then all bets are off. And it's clear that that's where this Jets team is right now. And until they turn the page on Zach Wilson, it's going to be more the same for the Jets fans. And I feel bad for them right now because this is a year where they came in with lofty expectations. And I thought they were legitimate that they could actually get to the playoffs and go on a deep playoff run. I want to be clear. I'm not trying to defend Zach Wilson. He is not. It one sounds of, like no, it. No, he's not one of the 32 best quarterbacks in this league. He should not be a starter in the NFL. I think that people are ignoring the fact that the coaches have been horrible for him. And that actually yesterday he did what they asked him to do, which is not turn the ball over. As if things couldn't get any worse for the Bears. What happened yesterday? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.